Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Are you feeling better? We're just about there. I know a lot of you, I've said this all the time, I know a lot of you get worn out on it because certainly I get worn out on it, but it is a part of what we do. The thing that besides the games themselves... And certainly free agency, which uh, you can make an argument that uh, free agency has not always been (coughs) robust around here recently. You know, other than making quarterback changes, you know, bringing in Rivers, bringing in Wentz, bringing in Matt Ryan. So besides that, it is the NFL draft. In terms of football that you absolutely love, and I say all the time, you are moving further and further toward off-season stuff. And I'm talking about, in general, discussions on the air right here. Discussions on the air of what you are most interested in. And a lot of what I just said and the NFL draft, especially this year, because it is going to be so defining I know there's a reboot. I know that you're skeptical. I know that there's not a great deal of juice going on. My man Litzy actually just tweeted at me a little bit earlier and said, yeah, I know that's going to be doing stuff around at Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't know what Buffalo Wild Wings, but I'm going to be here in studio. That feels weird. Feels really weird. It's like I need to be out. Need to be out with you and soaking that up. I'm cool with being in here. But on Thursday, the question is going to be answered. So we thought what we have to do to start this week is to to come in with a bang here. Like the NBA postseason, coming in with a bang, guys getting injured, guys getting suspended, guys getting hit in the sack, guys getting suspended for hitting guys in the sack. I should say guys getting bounced out of games for ball tapping. We're going to come in like that. I cannot wait for today because you ask all the time. We normally do it at the beginning of seasons. We will do it at the end of a season. We'll do it again in free agency. 
And we'll both kind of giggle about it because there's not much to do. And then we'll do it. Sometimes we do it after the draft, but I thought this year it would be better if we did it before the draft. If we got his thoughts, because nobody, and I what you're going to say, well, he's your friend and you're going to say that. No, nah, he's, he's my friend. And I say that because I know that. That guy works every bit as hard. Like, I sit here and go, hey, there's one game. Look, he's the best. <laughs> That's me. And I I do, I bristle when I hear, like, well, if this were in a vacuum or all these buzz terms or cliches you hear specifically this time of year, I just tell you, I like C.J. Stroud in one game. I like Will Levis, not this past year, but two years ago. I don't think Bryce Young is too small. And I was wowed by a pro day for Anthony Richardson. It doesn't go much deeper than that. Want to know why? Because then I'd be making stuff up. But here's what I have. The ace in the hole that I have here is our guest in the 4 o'clock hour, Rick Venturi. And Rick goes over absolutely everything. He will talk about who he believes should be that selection again, provided they stay at four. If they have a motivation to move up from four because somebody's going to swoop in and grab their pick. Again, it hasn't happened yet. And I don't, a shred, yes. I don't altogether buy that most of these teams have zero idea. I mean, you're not going into this completely blind. You're just not. You spend all that time away. I don't know what's going to happen in front of us. I guess we'll have to find out with you. <laughs> no, not really. But that's okay. That adds another layer of discussion. I'm telling you, sports sports have become so much more, in a lot of ways, not so good. But for me, the entertaining ways are this. I love watching the games. I love watching NBA yesterday. I thought Sunday was great with NBA. You know, everybody else is complaining about the NBA for one thing or the other, the way the season ended, you know, teams tanking, you know, all this stuff we see all the time. It's up to you. That's why you're supposed to have really smart people running the organization. If it wasn't that much, if it wasn't that caliber, you could put a clown like me in the organization and I could watch one game and go, oh yeah, grab him. He's really good. I saw him against Georgia. He's great. Well, wait a minute. Well, what about the uh, test, the S2 test and uh, yeah, the leadership maybe not being as cut? I don't care. I saw him play, and he looked really good against the best team two years running in college football. Give me that guy. If it were that easy, I could do it. But it's not. It is certainly more detailed, much more detailed than that. And if it doesn't need to be, then I don't know why they do it, but they do it. I mean, everything. And this is the time of year when you start hearing about everything. I I saw our former owners in the hallway a little bit earlier, and they were asking me about this and asking me about the test and all that. I, I don't care about any test. I was horrible at tests. I mean, I was horrible in general, right? But I was really horrible at tests. The one thing I did, I showed up. And that's kind of been the story of my life. I've showed up. I show up. I show up and I do it. 
I wouldn't wow you in the classroom. I wouldn't wow you in practice, but I show up in a game time and I'm ready to go. But the one thing you can count on is I'm always there. You do this thing on Saturday night. Yeah, I'm always there. Always got to be there. Somebody told me, old school radio guy, you got to voice track that. Why would I want to voice track it? Then I become everybody else. I don't want to be everybody else. I want to be me. This is me. But seriously, if it were that easy, somebody as simple like me certainly could do it. But it's not. It's more than just one game. But there is nobody out there that does more work, more homework than Rick Venturi. Uh, He knows everything. We're going to get so much deeper than just quarterback. He is going to go the depth position by position. He's going to talk those other selection possibilities, those other draft picks. He's going to talk about what's necessary. And we're going to question what happened in the offseason. Now, when you look at the cornerback position, that is another position of need without question. And they they kind of created it by that trade of Stephon Gilmore. Believe me, it was already there, but it was just subtly there then. Now it's like, bang, you got to go out and find yourself a cornerback here. And maybe that's with round number two. Maybe not considering the so-called depth, but this is why you need somebody like Rick Venturi who does the homework and who does more than me, knows more than me about it. And then you add in all of these years of doing it, all of these years of being actually there with a team or certainly doing the study work that he does. You know, his network connections with former coaches you here get nobody better they're telling you exactly what to look for and again we could all be wrong right i could be incredibly wrong it's concerning right now and i'll tell you why it's concerning for me i've told you this i like cj stroud i believe and i've said this going back to in season when that craptacular season was going down, I told you at the time I'd heard they like Will Levis. And it was in passing. And that's what has been so believable for me because it actually happened at a time when I know everything is always under lockdown, but it is double secret probation right now. Chris Ballard was right about that on Friday. They lock absolutely everything down. To the point to where we sit here, and certainly I have questioned just how much they're letting go in terms of the owner. Just keeping that inner circle as tight as possible. That's exactly what they have done, but that's why I felt good about this because it happened during a time when it was just kind of, hey, by the way, Because there was the distraction. The distraction was the season. I mean, the whole mess of a season was that distraction. This was, well, this is where we are right now. We'll see where that goes. I get concerned because it seems like everybody, including Vegas now, has jumped on that. That's one of my concerns. The other concern is this. That is a long time with this draft class of quarterbacks at the top. Not to find considerable blemishes, considerable warts. That's a long time to go. 
that's a long time not to figure out that, hey, you know what? Maybe this isn't our guy. I'll give you a great example. How about Carolina? Remember Carolina made that bold move trading up with Chicago to get to number one? What did everybody think, including some of that chatter coming out of Charlotte, North Carolina, is that they wanted to get up there to get C.J. Stroud. Oh, there goes C.J. Stroud. He's gone. And at the time, I'm assuming, and we'll see if this happens, because I think it's stupid if it does, but at that time, we were assuming it was going to go Stroud, it was going to go Young, and then we'll see what happens at number three, and there you are at number four. But that's a long time to go. Think about that, for example. I mean, Carolina went through all this and, again, reportedly figured out that the one that they liked the most at the beginning is not the one that they're going to end up drafting. So it didn't take them a lot. And they said, remember the pro day and all that? They sent everybody to all these pro everybody, everybody but the janitor, I think, over in their building. I think everybody but Rickard Wynn, who's uh, the program director over in Charlotte right now. Remember Jeff Rickard did the morning show here? So he's in Charlotte. They sent everybody but him. It's just a long time to go without understanding the blemishes, especially on a season like Levis had last year in Kentucky. I'll give credit where credit is due. You go back two years, and to play at that level and to get those results, what were they, 10-3 and three in 2021? That's Kentucky. That's not Kentucky basketball. That's Kentucky football. That's impressive. And all that gets lost in the shuffle of this constant criticism. And what I talked about at the beginning of this segment is where we're coming to the end, the finish line here of all this conversation that basically ends up being completely useless. You get tired of it. I get tired of it. We all get tired of it. But face it, at the end of the day, that's what you're most interested in right now. When this fourth selection or whatever happens around it for the Colts on Thursday, when people will tag that with the biggest decision this franchise has had in a long, long time. Now, we knew that luck was going to be that decision because they bailed on the golden era to get there, to get to that point. Yeah, you go back to the Manning decision, I think everybody felt pretty firm that he was going to be that pick. This is very different, but still, you know, the impact of it remains the same. So that is where we are on this Monday afternoon, and I cannot wait for the 4 o'clock hour. Everybody needs to get dialed in because it's going to be more than just quarterbacks. Rick Venturi of the Colts Radio Network, the former NFL coach and friend of this show, is going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour, and I'm assuming that's going to be multi-segmented, so be ready for that. Also, you could not have a better 5 o'clock hour guest because when, in terms of national recognition for doing that job and getting and setting up the draft and scouting and such, nobody is better, certainly, at breaking it down and talking about it. You know, among the Mel Kuypers and the Todd McShays. I think Todd McShay, by the way, is on Levis, too. See, this all concerns me now. Seems like everybody is on Levis. Everybody piled on the bandwagon with me. 
But among those two heavyweights from ESPN, Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network, is no doubt right there. And Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network is going to be here coming up at 5 o'clock today. That, for one, is something that I cannot wait. So we go back to back. Your information is all going to be had right here. Stuff could transpire. Things could happen leading up to, but you are not going to get a better education on stuff that maybe you don't know right now, and that's what this show should be about, stuff you don't know right now that you're going to get educated on from two of the heavyweights doing draft research. Rick Venturi, Daniel Jeremiah, for 5 o'clock hour right here on the show. Cannot wait for that. You guys ask every year, give us Venturi. When's Venturi? 4 o'clock today, Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network, is coming your way at 5. I mentioned in a promo that ran throughout the weekend that this was a spectacular sports weekend. For me, that it was. But I can kind of understand if it wasn't for you. I don't get why so many can be so down on the NBA. Maybe it's just me because I like basketball, and I'm just – I still – when I watch – it is still astounding to watch these guys play. So big, so strong, so quick, so fast. It is just mind-blowing. And I know that there's some crap to deal with, but there's always crap to deal with. You got crap to deal with in every sport. But you know what that brings? That brings conversation. That brings dialogue. That brings content. And the NBA, especially this time of year in the postseason, man, that is the gift that keeps on giving I knew, I knew I was right regarding Dylan Brooks. Everybody wants to get rid of him. He's not worth it. Now, he's worth his weight in gold to me. My goodness, do I want that. It's stupid. <laughs> it is. It is stupid for his team, the Memphis Grizzlies, but we should all love it. I don't care what happens with the Lakers. Most of the time, I'm hoping the Lakers lose. But I am drawn to this like a soap opera because of what went down. So the response after calling LeBron James old were the Lakers going off in the first half against the Grizzlies. At some point, I think it was like, was it 35 to 9? It was ridiculous. I mean, going off. And then later on in the game, the guy that he called old... And then you knew LeBron James was going to respond. He was guarding him and, again, accidentally ball-tapped him. While guard- it is not that hard not to do. It is It is not that difficult not to hit somebody in the nuts when you're guarding them. It's just not. It's not that difficult. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was one of these things where you're taking a swipe – and in your mind, you don't care. I mean, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. If it does, so what? The NBA, the NBA's response is, is zero tolerance in terms of getting into that area. You get into that area accidentally, unless you're Joel Embiid laying on the floor and kicking upward, then you're likely going to get tossed. That's great. I love that. See, I used to love the stuff when teams got into it, players got into it. We love those days when you knew 
you know, going back to the Pistons and the Bad Boys or, you know, the Oakleys and the Masons. I mean, even further than that, Maurice Lucas, Daryl Dawkins, you know, these so-called enforcers. I love that stuff. I absolutely love it. (laughs) It's not that hard to guard somebody without ball tapping them unless you mean to do it. That's so funny. Of all the things that could happen, seriously. Of all the things that could happen, you just called out and then described as old, arguably the best basketball player, again, arguably, of all time. And then it just so happens you nut shot him during the game playing defense. Okay. That's a very strong coincidence. I love it, though. I love it. I wouldn't want to be on the other end of it. But I absolutely love it. His ads. You knew that Dylan Brooks was going to get tossed as soon as that happened. Especially when LeBron laid there, laid there grasping his crotch for like 15 minutes. You knew that he was gone. Nah, for me, it was a fantastic sports weekend. So you got some drama. No, no, no. I don't always need that type of what you want to call violence or whatever. I don't call it violence. I mean, these it's this happens forever. All right, not everything is, you know, like the pickup game you and I play in where if you get touched, you call a foul and everybody whines about the score. You know, this is different. And it's it has been this way forever. Now, again, the NBA and the officials have dialed it down. Stuff we see today would have been commonplace. I'm assuming if that would have taken place back in 1988, that would have been a personal foul. Dylan Brooks on LeBron's package. Side out. Side, side out of bounds. Personal foul on Dylan Brooks on LeBron James' package. <laughs> it can't be that hard. I'm watching. I'm sorry. I'm watching that again. It's like you're doing defensive slides and whack. And no, he's right after the game, too. That was reputation. But clearly, the NBA has a zero-tolerance policy in terms of coming close to somebody's crotch, which I'm not, again, against. Nah, I thought that was great. I did. Yesterday was great. The Kings and the Warriors, fantastic television. I thought thought for sure Harrison Barnes was going to knock down that three, and that was over. Steph Curry calls a timeout with none left. I stayed out of it. I knew everybody was going to drop all the Chris Webber stuff and because Sacramento was the team that was benefiting from it and Chris Webber obviously had a number of good years there. Ah, that was good stuff. I did not stay up and watch the entirety of the Nuggets and the Timberwolves. I will say this, though. Anthony Edwards after the game, that looks like a guy that'd be fun to be your teammate. They interviewed him after the game, and he talked about everything but him, everything but himself, everything but what he was doing to help his team. I like that. He was deferring to other people, deferring to teammates. He looks like a guy that would be fun to be your teammate. Now, you got that. You got a busy weekend with the uh, Nets getting closed out by the Sixers. That may be the one that bumps me the most because, you know, it's unfortunate 
our guy, the man with two brains, Pete Dinwiddie, is within that Sixers organization. I would like to be able to like them. Unfortunately, I just cannot like them. There is no way you can stick Embiid and Harden on the same team and have me coming away liking that. They move on to the Eastern Conference semifinals. Major League Baseball over the weekend. There was a point in time, I'm telling you, as a Reds fan, if you don't soak up the first week to 10 days of the baseball season, you got nothing. Nothing but losing. Well, they lost now six consecutive to this point, I believe. If you don't get in, like last year, if you didn't get in in that first series, remember last year? If you were a Reds fan, you had that first series. They opened up on the road with the Braves. I think they won game number one. And Joey Votto, in one of those games in that series, he was mic'd up. And it was really glorious. Absolutely fantastic. And then it all went downhill to the crapper right after that. There was a point in time in the first week of the season, maybe the first 10 days, I said, you know what? These guys aren't so bad. Well, they are. (laughs) They are not as bad as Oakland right now. They have lost six consecutive, and the Reds within, after being swept by the Pirates, who, by the way, the Pirates are 16-7. and That is atop the National League Central. Shout out to the Pirates. They are eight and a half games back of the top spot. And we're in the final week of April. Eight and a half back. Oakland's ten and a half back. Not even to May yet. That's gross. Yeah, for Reds fans, that's it. I'd have to go back and look in recent history their starts. As a Reds fan, you could not have very much time to really soak up any glory. By the time you get to May, basically it's over. And that's where it is right now. Yeah, Reds losers of six consecutive. Cubs 12-9. and nine. Cardinals with that slow start. I never worried about the Cardinals because even though I hate them, they'll be good to go coming up in August and September like they always are. August and September, when things really start to matter, they'll step back up again. Just got to wait until then. All right, some MLB too. Busy weekend. We'll dive into that. That and more news and, of course, a ton of NFL draft conversation at 239-1070. If you guys want to jump on board, you can certainly do that. I know a lot of you are asking me about the Knicks and the Cavaliers. Does that stir the echoes? of old, really good Knicks teams from the past. And Jalen Brunson's such a good player. It's kind of funny what happened in Dallas. They lose him. Then you go out and get Kyrie Irving, trade deadline. They're an absolute disastrous mess. And Brunson and the Knicks, up 3-1, best of seven first-round series against the Cavaliers. Donovan Mitchell was a disaster yesterday afternoon. He could make nothing disastrous it was Celtics up three games to one their best of seven 129-121 over the Atlanta Hawks that I mentioned in overtime Timberwolves over the Nuggets so they do not get swept 3-1 Denver in that first round best of seven you got coming your way later on tonight I don't know any any word on Giannis yet about that Miami and 
the Giannis situation, being injured with the lower back. And the Heat right now, up two games and one of that best of seven. That's a 7.30 start time. Bucks and Heat later on this evening. Grizz and Lakers comes your way at 10 o'clock. Hopefully you can stay up and you can watch that. All right, 239-1070, as I mentioned, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'll jump in there with you coming up in just a minute. Yeah, I know for a lot of you there wasn't much there this weekend because I know you guys thrive locally, and that's great. I just thought it was spectacular all the way around. It takes more than the nut shot to get me on board and to laugh and really enjoy. But that, listen, that was that was a pretty significant piece. <laughs> it's not that hard. Have any of you ever gone and played basketball all your life and never hit somebody that you're guarding in the crotch? It's happened a lot, right? No, I'm talking about it's happened a lot where you haven't done it. Oh, yeah, it just so happened. All that stuff was said. You're going against LeBron James. You had that pregame conversation, and you go out there, and you're trying to stay in front of him doing those defensive slides and whack. Split up the kids. Come on. It may, it may not have been where you can see it deliberate, but there are different ways to being deliberate. Like Dylan Brooks is a sneaky, deliberate type of guy. Uh, two games to one, Lakers over the Grizzlies. Let game fours tonight again coming up at 10 o'clock. Big show for you. Hour number two, Rick Venturi is going to be here. We're going to go over with a fine-tooth comb what is the Colts and that draft coming up beginning on Thursday, number four overall, and then dive into the other areas of need that they have, which certainly are plenty. He did say this, and I do buy it. Chris Ballard went, so much in talking about the depth of the team. We want to have the best depth in the NFL. And not only do you not have any depth, but you struggle in the capacity of having, you know, 10, 11 really good players in terms of what everybody else has, one through 10. You really do struggle. It was always about the depth. Hey, what about the depth? Hey, what about the guys that can play? That was always the argument with the left guard. And, you know, why do you do this when you have other needs? Remember when I would bring up, hey, can you turn Quentin Nelson into a left tackle? And everybody would laugh, including Chris Ballard. Well, there was a reason behind that because that left tackle is obviously, what, third most important on the team? And it needed addressed, and it wasn't. Uh, Rick Venturi, top of the 4 o'clock hour. Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network. He's going to be here coming up at 5. We are locked and loaded and ready for you at 239-1070. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I'll open up for you guys coming up in a minute as well. We are all on the app. We're on the stream. HD Radio. I'll take a break and come back with you coming up next on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Here's Johnny! Oh! David Letterman! 
Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. Oh. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Rick Vichieri, top of the hour. Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network in the 5 o'clock hour. Thank you for joining us. James over there. I'm John. A package deal today. George Thorogood and the Destroyers, along with Grand Prix tickets. Coming up a little bit later on. Listen to when I may, uh, I'll throw out a thorough good song for you. Chance to win. Listen to win. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Uh, he'll be a part of uh, always the uh, Grand Prix and everything coming up. Uh, one race before that, down at Barber. That's this weekend, right outside of Birmingham, Alabama. Jake Query from the morning show, Kevin and Query, joins us now. Is that this weekend? That is indeed correct. Barber Motorsports Park. By the way, Hagen's calling me in the end of the line right now. Is he I mean, really? How does Hagen not know that I'm on with you right now? That's weird. I think he's coming back. He was, um, I think he's been off. I think he's back on today. Speaking of Alabama, he's usually at that race because that's one of his nine home yeah. states. You but, wanna, do you want to uh, click You want to click over and see what he wants real quick? No, you know, he must have gotten the hint because he, he <laughs> declined. There's nothing more convoluted anyway than the call waiting on an iPhone. Yeah. It's like launching missiles. You're like, wait a minute, what button am I pushing? And they're flopping all over. But anyway. Does that, um, does it, um, when you decline somebody's call like that, does it like say blank off to them on the other end? Well, I think they can tell because like all of a sudden mid ring, it just goes to voicemail, right? right. So they know that, that you shout it down, I, you know. <laughs> and half the time I, I mean to accept and I decline, I hang up on both people. It's a huge hassle. Um, Barbara Motorsports Park this weekend, which is, mm-hmm. I, I love Birmingham. I think it's a very underrated city. The racetrack is technically in Leeds, which is just to the east of Birmingham. And it's actually Charles Barkley's hometown, Leeds, Alabama. Um and I also thought it fitting that you would mention the Grand Prix or the Grand Prix, which is totally suitable. That's, I'm from Southern Indiana, so it's okay. If it's John, James, and Jake right now, that would be 3J, and there was no better go-kart track as a kid in 7th and 8th grade after the end of the school year or Little League practice or whatever than to go to Westfield to Thunder Island, previously known as 3J. And anybody that's in my age range that remembers like the five-year window in which it was – uh, a player is nodding their head like, hell yes. The batting yes. cages, the water slides, and the, the go-kart track. And then Shannon Doherty filmed a horrible movie that had a scene that was filmed at 3J Thunder Island in Westfield in 1980. Wait, wait, wait. Shannon Doherty did? Yes. Wow. There's some terrible movie, John. It was the worst B-movie ever made. Uh, like 89, I think it was 89 or 90. And it was about Shannon Doherty and her friends were a high school newspaper crew that unfolded some business scandal and the as a result one of their counterparts was um kidnapped and they had to go in exchange for ransom money with the bad guys and they met them at the top of the water slides at thunder island in westfield i kid you not that's awesome i remember the commercials for thunder island back then well done yeah it's great. As well done. I believe Shannon Darty's I believe Shannon Darty's coming to Indianapolis here relatively soon too. So But what? Uh some kind of comic con thing, I believe. Something like that. I believe. I Shannon Darty watch. It doesn't work in three years. Huh?
So true, true story right there. Hey, what's um the input of the morning show with you guys? I, I know, and I'm assuming you guys talk about this as well, how tired everybody is, and, and we are too, how worn out the draft subject is. But I think everybody does understand this is what we have to to go on because most people want to to hear it. Where do we all stand in the morning in terms of this draft coming up on Thursday? Round number one and then otherwise further down the road. Where's our feeling there? Oh, I mean, I think there's no doubt about the fact that of the three of us, between Mark, Kevin, and myself, I'm the most cynical about it. But there's no doubt also that all three of us are more than ready for it to be here. I mean, I, to your point, I understand it. I respect the fact that, and I'm appreciative of the fact that people want to hear the talk about the draft and the latest unfoldings of the ebb and flow of all the discussion of it. Uh, and it certainly, you know, listen, I appreciate everybody that listens to it. But I know that they are just like we are of the fact of, like, it's going to be nice to finally have a concrete answer and finally have a person that we can talk about and say, now we know definitively what the direction is. Uh, We are all three very optimistic about that. Isn't it amazing to see this team and, you know, often was talked about, especially with, with Chris Ballard about the depth and how important that was. And, and you see a team that has no depth right now. I mean, no, no depth. And, you know, the depth that they have is going to be absorbed now because you look at the top end and they're, I think among the, and I hate, I'm trying to throw cold, cold water on everybody, I guess, with this take right here, but that is something that definitely needs a great deal of improvement would be, you know, the top 10 plus players. I mean, at any position, but those top positions on this team are just incredibly lacking right now. I think, John, that the Colts figured out that the, that they have put their best resources in the positions that matter the least. And I hate to say that, but there's a reality to that. And the positions that matter the most in today's NFL, they're void of talent. They don't have open field playmakers except for Jonathan Taylor they don't have I mean Pittman's a nice player don't get me wrong that's maybe selling him a little short Um, we don't know who's going to be throwing in the ball though you know they may have to for that matter and I like EJ Speed but we don't know and I think we're going to find out a lot probably on Friday of what the Colts think about the health and the long-term plan with Shaquille Leonard who's been a playmaker for them but the 2% motor that he has that makes that separates him from the rest of the league, that 2% motor may never come back because of the injury. I, and, and I don't know that they know his long-term health. And if they draft a linebacker in, say, the third round or the fourth round, I think that's going to be very telling. Or even the second round is going to be very telling. There are a lot of question marks. I agree with you. that The problem for the Colts, or the challenge is probably a better word, the challenge the Colts have, is they're taking on water in a lot of areas. And they're going to, you know, if they're not careful, they're going to end up looking like Chevy Chase with bubble gum in Vegas vacation at the Hoover Dam, right? You're trying to plug one and then another pops up. That's what's happened the last couple of years, and they got to start getting some stuff figured out. Uh, Jake Query, The Morning Show, Kevin and Query, weekday mornings from 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Have you been as dialed into Sacramento, really the NBA postseason in general, but Sacramento and Golden State as much as I have? I have. And, and, you know, you and I, I, I think it's fascinating because to me it reminds me a lot of the old guard of the NBA, John. And by that I mean, you know, I mentioned this earlier, you know, the the Pistons had to get past the Celtics. The the Bulls had to get past the Pistons. 
you know, nobody got past the Bulls, obviously. But, you know, once Jordan was out of play, Indiana had to get past the Knicks. And this series, to me, for Sacramento and Golden State is interesting because while they don't necessarily have the, the postseason rivalry, obviously, Sacramento is the young kid on the block in Golden State who is, you know, relatively their neighbor, geographically speaking. It's tough because you get up 2 nothing on them. But you give them a glimmer of hope, which they have now. You got to wonder if, if Sacramento is able to live up to that pressure because they're young. Darren Fox is a great player, great player, and they have really good young players. But it's tough to knock out Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green's not even there for a game, and you're still back to being squared up at two-two. Golden State gets one on the road, you know, it changes things, but. I like it. It's been fun. There's been drama. It's been high-paced. you got Steph Curry pulling to Chris Webber, and his team still wins. Uh, it's been fun to watch. Yeah, Adrian Wojnarowski, the last 15 minutes, speaking of Sacramento and De'Aaron Fox, he fractured the very tip of his left index finger in Game 4. There is hope that he still will try and play in Game 5. Fox would need to play with a protective covering on that finger. He will be listed as doubtful. So with what you just said, Boy. there's information within the last 15 minutes. Boy, yeah, that's um, – because he's a great player. And, you know, you and I have talked about this before, John, but there are rare occasions, and it's fun when it happens, that an NBA trade works out in the long term really well for both teams. And I think that's exactly what happened with Halliburton and Sabonis. The bonus has fit in really well with what Sacramento wants to do and the way they play. And that also by getting rid of Halliburton that freed up Darren Fox, who's been a great player for them and has the same ceiling, it would appear, as Halliburton does in Indiana. So it's worked out well for both. But that's unfortunate to hear because he's been really good in this series. Man, Darren Fox, yeah, there's no doubt about that. So it, I, he makes plays that makes you enjoy the mid-range again. You know what I mean? We've oh. forgotten about that so many times over the past 10-plus years. He makes you enjoy the mid-range game part of offense now. I have always said, and this isn't the case with him because he's a, a more dynamic player than this, but you know, Etwan Moore and Courtney Lee are my two great Indiana examples of this. If you are a good teammate that can knock down consistently a mid-range jumper, you can last in the NBA for a long time. And those two guys both made a living at it because it's a lost art. Totally a lost art. The pull-up, 10, 12-footer, 15-footer, not many guys can do that anymore. They can hit a lot of threes, and they're dynamic at it. They create shots, they're dynamic at it. But just that mid-range game is, is something that's always good to see. So, Jake Cray with us. I was going over the Reds and – uh, you know, obviously getting swept by the Pirates, uh, being last place of the National League Central. You get about a week and a half, it seems, of real true Reds enjoyment before everything goes haywire. Damon Dobbs had sent me this. We, you look back um, into 2015, um, and I'll give you a great example. The Reds have been five games back, at least five games back. Last year, April the 18th, 2022, check that, I'm sorry, 2023, this year, April the 18th, last year, April the 19th, year prior, May the 19th, uh, 2018, April the 9th, that's got to be, a that can't be right, 2018, April the 9th, 2017, April the 28th, 20. 
You see, 16 April the 22nd, 2015, May the 1st. So an average date to be five games back or more for the Reds going back to 2015, April the 22nd. That doesn't give you much of a long-term rooting interest right there. That's brutal, man. Just brutal. And I mean... <laughs> that makes me laugh a little bit. Man, I mean, at least they... At least at least they actually extended a promising pitcher. I mean, I'll give them that. They, they spent money to keep somebody in house. But, man, I mean, just brutal. If right? you want, if you want to go to 10 know. games back, 10 games back or more, the average date since 2015 is June the 15th. Brutal. Terrible. And I mean, here's the thing. It's not like – and I'm sure there are probably – somebody's going to jump out and be like, are you forgetting about so-and-so, but – you know, with the exception of St. Louis, who usually is a second-half team. And Milwaukee's had some good teams in the last decade or so. But it's not like they're in a division with teams that are going out and winning 107 ga- 110, 120 games year in, year out. I mean, they're in a fairly winnable division with competency, right? And yet, good Lord, man. I mean, you're in a division with the Cubs and the Pirates and, and you know, Milwaukee's and, and you're still circling the drain every single year. And just it breaks your heart, man, because you wanna I mean, you want them to be good. Like I, I just there's no team that makes me more nostalgic in sports than the Reds. Because my all of my memories of them being elite were my childhood. Yep. And my childhood was dominated by them being elite. And and in through high school because of, you know the, the wire to wire ninety season and like I never would have guessed that that was going to be the end of it and for that matter when they were in San Francisco and they were up two nothing on the Giants and then the roof caved in whoever would have guessed that was the last hurrah and it might be the last hurrah for a long time it's the way that it looks Jake Cray with us before I let you go did Shannon like the remix I put together with Eddie Murphy party all the time and Eddie Murphy raw the other oh, night it's unbelievable. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, we're, we're driving back from dinner, and, I mean, she, and she's, like, belting out party all the time. I mean, she likes it when you do Triumph. She's had a, a, she loves any of the 80s. She's an 80s hairband girl, right? Right. So she loves any of the late 70s, early 80s, stuff like that. But I've never seen anything like, like the way she was belting out party all the time. I, I mean, she didn't even know I shot the video of her. But I, for those that don't know, <laughs> I shot a video of her in the car and texted it to you. I was like, check this it was, out. It was great. Um, yeah. It was great. It was, it's, it's a huge, huge, huge part of our Saturday night, honestly. Every year, like every every weekend, I so look forward to when we're going out and driving around and putting that on and, um, you know, seeing which, seeing which songs she'll get a kick out of. Yeah, Eddie Murphy doing his impression raw of Bill Cosby and Filth, Florin, Filth, Florin, Filth is always one of the greatest right there. Love that. So, hey, what you guys got coming up tomorrow morning? Uh, we are actually going to talk Russ Talkers – excuse me, Russ – Ross Tucker, he's going to join us, talk a little NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the NBA playoffs also, I mean, that, that's that's fun to talk about for sure. But three days left of trying to analyze and scrutinize where the Colts are going and also what they might do in some of those later rounds. So that'll be a big topic for us tomorrow. And then apparently, I guess they're bringing in mayonnaise for me to eat because I hate mayonnaise and Will Levis puts it in his coffee and I might puke on the air. Wow, I dig some mayonnaise. Give yeah. me, give me, give me mayonnaise on a bologna and a full moon Colby cheese sandwich. I'm good to go right there. A little bit of white bread, right? 
That's from where I'm from right there. That's I mean, I'm not that was a lunch. Green County's coming out to you, but come on. Now, <laughs> True story right there. All right, mayonnaise eater. Mayonnaise. They get Mark to bring that up from Officer and the Gentleman. Hey, mayonnaise. So. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Mayonnaise, all I got to say. All right, we'll see you, John. So, Jay Query on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Rick Venturi, top of the hour. Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network, coming up in the 5. 93.5107, by the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Lisa, three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And Jay Query Podcast, 107.5. TheFan.com. Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network, still to come. I believe in studio all week long, too. The info on that. I need to be out and about with that draft on Thursday, but I believe I am uh, locked in here, which is all good. I don't mind being in here either. And a big draft begins on Thursday. Sitting here right now, the Colts are off at number four overall. And you've asked for it. You've asked for it, and I have heard you ask for it. And before the draft, we'll bring him back from the Colts Radio Network, the former NFL coach and friend of this show, Rick Venturi, again on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Welcome back, Rick. How you doing? Hey, John, I'm really, really doing good. I, I can't tell you how excited I get. You know, there's there's about four pillars in my life that I really just have always loved going back to my early rookie days. Um, I absolutely love the draft, uh, and that goes back to my college days, really, when we recruited uh, and we had to make projections on players. Um, love the draft. Love the opening day of training camp. Love the opening day of the season and then January football. I mean, I I kind of professionally live for those uh, those things, but I, I'm really excited about the draft. And obviously, there's a lot of drama. Uh, hopefully, there's not a lot of drama on West 56th Street. They have this thing figured out, but there's certainly a lot of things to talk about and a lot of things that can really happen between now and uh, you know eight o'clock uh, Thursday night. So. I think it was uh, Chris Bauer on Thursday at that pre-draft presser. And believe me, we both know this. There's not a lot you can say. I mean, you're just getting out there and rambling and, you know, trying to as best you can answer questions because you don't have answers that you want to give anybody for those questions. So it's really kind of weird and it's awkward. But they suggest, he suggests that they don't really know how things are going to go in front of them right now i always think that's bs am i wrong well i think this is a pretty new uh unique year uh and you're right john this is i i've i've defined this i see everybody using it now this is the lying season for everybody no one is going to tip their hand everybody's going to mislead um there's going to be falsified information all kinds of leaks things like that uh, Chris himself <laughs> announced that he was he didn't call it lying he he called it dancing. Um, here's the deal I know. Um, 
everybody, you have to, uh, you got to have a great quarterback to win in the National Football League today. You know, particularly in the AFC. I mean, if you can't score 30 points, you're you're going to have a tough time winning. There's so many great young QBs. Uh, you know, it's it's a fabulous time from that standpoint. So you know, you got to have a QB uh, to win. And then second of all, as in all years, because you have to have them, this position will be inflated. Um, these guys aren't a potential one, two, three, four, which isn't going to happen, but they're not potentially that because they're generational players. They're there because the need is so great and you can't win and you can't play without one. Um, I think I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have a nervous breakdown, basically, whoever they take, even though I have my feelings on the rankings, because in this year, Every single guy, including the guy who I rank clearly number one, uh, including Bryce Young, all the top five guys have some terrific reasons to take them and to work with them and to develop them. But then on the other side, you know, they have enough reasons to reject them, you know, and be total bust. So, you know, it's, you know, as, as much as how you rate them and so forth, uh, I think it's really going to be determined by the type of coaching staff you have. But also on the negative side, I think because these guys aren't really generational quarterbacks, that's why Houston – could say maybe not maybe we with that second pick either trade out of here or we get a great defensive player uh you know a generational defensive player and then get another pick with 12 you know and play with this quarterback for a while and so forth and so on and so i i, I do think that there is an element that anything could happen in front of us now from the Colts standpoint the important thing to know is even though they could say they can say well you know all four or five of these guys I'll say four you know there's not a lot of separation you, you there has to be you when you rate these guys you have to rate them hard one divide that next to two divide that next to three and divide that next to four so regardless of what happens in front of you you have to be ready to go in the order that you pick them and whatever there you have to go in that order at that minute if if two and three aren't quarterbacks then you're going to have the choice. You're going to have to roll the dice between number two, number three, number four. I, I think that would be a really fabulous scenario because there'll be no hiding behind the pick uh, if, in fact, the uh, the top three guys are sitting there for you. Then you know you're you're going to have to make that pick, and history will decide, you know, if you did the right thing. It's uh, Rick Venturi of the Colts Radio Network, former NFL coach, and nobody goes more in-depth in preparation for a draft than he does. And Kind enough to join us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Before I set you up and you take off running with the top of this draft, in particular number four overall and your expectation at assuming here quarterback for the Colts, I did want to ask you this. So I know you've heard this before. I probably even mentioned it to you the last time. In a season like this past, which is an absolute disaster, you tend to move forward a little bit in conversation in talking about the draft, especially when the belief is your long-term quarterback is going to be found there. So I, I got a, a bit of information back during the season that at the time, the Colts liked Will Levis. And 
I, I thought that maybe there was a little bit more sincerity in it then, even with a lot of time to go to, you know, obviously tear down that particular quarterback as you do all these players in this draft. Because not everything at that moment's under lock and key like it is right now. Yeah. You yeah. you agree with maybe that? Because honestly, I haven't heard anything differently since then. I could be completely wrong. There's no doubt about that once they select coming up on Thursday. But is there truth to that, knowing then and then saying that compared to not wanting anybody in your kitchen and it being locked up tight right now before the draft? That's a huge difference, right? Yeah, that's a huge difference. Uh, you know, I thought Ballard, you know, he, he tried to tamp down the sense that they were locked in on one guy, which you can't be locked in on one guy, actually. As I said just a minute ago, you have to have an order of preference, and I can get into what you're looking for, what you want, what they have, what they don't have, who you've fallen in love with, you know, and and then it's – but it's a process to get there and how you felt in November – and even early January and February may not be how you feel today because you you go through a, a real long process, and I think the Colts certainly on the surface has done their due diligence on all those guys. They've, they've been there and back. They've had them in. They've done the testing. And so, you know, I mean, I'm sure that they have the, you know, a, a look today, uh, that could have been vastly different from what was in the original thoughts. I mean, for a guy, for instance, a guy like Richardson's only played 13 games. So when you were talking about in season, he didn't even have a full season under his belt. So, you know, I think that changes. I think the other scenario that I have seen change um, over the years, and this is my, believe this or not, this is my 41st draft. But one thing I notice is, and this particularly applies to the early process and the combine. Guys come out of the combine, and boy, I'll tell you what, you hear all the buzzwords. You know, this guy's ceiling and this guy's floor. You know, this guy is tremendous. Look at the tool. Look at the physicality, the tools that he has. Don't judge and, in a vacuum is my favorite oh, right there. No, no question about <laughs> it. And, and so what happens on March 1st, all of a sudden things get changed around. You know, I I call them fetch players, guys that become lottery picks or high draft picks in February and March. And my my response always to that was, did I miss a game in February and March? How's this guy rising so high? Well, you know, they're rising because of metrics and the tools that they show and the combine and so forth. And that happens. And that even that happens to the experts, not just, you know, not just the amateurs. But here's what I've always known is when you get the difference in March 1st and April 15th is night and day. Because now when we get really, really close and we have to pull the trigger, and let's face it, when you're pulling the trigger on one of these quarterbacks, you're either you're either gonna you're either gonna be a genius or you're gonna get fired if you're in that process because this is gonna make or break you. They can minimize that, you know, there's not a lot of pressure on. Well, there's a lot of pressure on it. And it's a, it's a landmark choice coming up when you're in the lottery on a quarterback. But what you tend to do when you get close is you tend to kind of overanalyze, uh, you know, rumors come out. We just saw the one on the cognitive test. 
Uh, I've been in situations where a drug test came out uh, just before the test. I mean, we were ready to uh, we were ready in Cleveland to draft Warren Sapp with the eighth pick in the draft, and two days before there was a report on a, on drug usage. Uh, we ended up backing off, which was the dumbest thing we ever did. But those things happen. A lot of stuff leaks. Some of it is you know kind of fake news, really. Uh, I really believe by some teams to you know affect how you look at somebody, but in the end, you now have so much information, and now the pressure is tough because you're no longer talking about it. You're no no longer doing press conferences. Now you're making that pick for better or worse. And so I think a lot of things change uh, when you get right down to uh, nut-cutting time, so to speak. It's uh, Rick Venturi with us talking NFL draft, of course, number four overall on Thursday. And uh, yeah, the Colts are going to be – are you going to be with everybody out there? Or have you done well, your bit with them? How's that no, work? No, no, no. Matt and I and Joe Wright That's what I thought. Yeah. are going to be working Thursday night there at the complex out into the, you know, with the um, the ticket holders. Uh, we're going to be doing that uh, on Friday, on Thursday night. We'll do, we'll start earlier. I think we're starting at 7 or 7.30. Um, and then we're going to do the whole first round. And then the second night, Friday, um, it'll be uh, Matt and I. We'll do um, the second night, which is round two and round three. So we'll have great a- analysis. If you're if you're out driving around on those two nights, running some errands, make sure you check in with us because we will. And I, I, you know, it's you know probably too much plug here, but we do a very very good job. Even though we're a local show, I think we do a really good national view of this whole thing. Nah, it's going to be fantastic coming up on Thursday. You can hear that right here. It's Rick Venturi. All right, with that, let's unveil what you think is going to happen and compare that to what you believe should happen at number four. Well, let me let me go this way to you because you know let's let's assume um, that you know it's quarterback one. Right. Uh, let's let's assume that that is the case. Uh, and so you know, here's how here's how I look at it. Okay, and I'll I'll kind of backtrack for a minute. You know, I'm taking a little bit of uh, of what Steichen had to say, adding some things of my own, you know, and kind of coming up what I look for in a quarterback. What I think is important. And and Shane was on the same page with this. Number one, uh, and and I think when we talk about all these guys, we can check the boxes or don't check the boxes. Um, I think number one, you're looking for accuracy. And I always say accuracy under fire, not in a workout, not in a rocking chair, but accuracy under fire, you know, when the pocket is tight. Uh, Number two, uh, we've got to have a guy on Sunday that can really, really process information in a millisecond in an absolute millisecond. That's why, you know, test scores can can be important. They're not everything, and sometimes they're they're not, you know, sometimes they don't tell the whole story, but they are baselines. I think number 3, you're looking for a guy that if possible can create offense, you know, can extend plays, can make it when it's not there, make plays with his feet. Then I think number four, which I've added to this because I, I really think this is important, is poise under pressure. Can you play under control when things are hot? 
Now, when you look at the top three guys in the league, in my opinion, Mahomes does that. No matter how fast the game is, no matter how much he's running around, he never loses vision on the field. He never loses control. Jalen Hurts the same way. You can argue about his accuracy and all that, but he is a movement guy. When he's moving, he's always looking and therefore under control. Joe Burrows, who isn't a big scrambler, he can move and avoid, but no matter how much pressure, he's always under control. Now, sometimes you look at a, you know, to me, at an Allen at Buffalo, who's a tremendous athlete, but there's times that he's frenzied when, you know, when there's pressure there in certain situations. Lawrence has a little bit of that yet, and they'll get through it, but those first three guys think it's really an important quality and then of course as Shane says the fifth thing and the most important thing attitudinally is just a total commitment to excellence that you know that that guy that's going to be the first guy in in the morning you know the last guy out the Brady mentality and I think those five things so if you look at those five things and you rank the five guys I rank the five guys because I think Hooker you know had he not torn the ACL would be right in the thick of it for all the marbles. Um, But I clearly uh, like Bryce Young. I think in Bryce Young's case, you could check all five boxes. Everything is there. The accuracy is pinpoint uh, process. The guy's brilliant. Um, You know, he can create. He makes terrific plays, uh, never loses control. Uh, I watched tape when the quarterbacks with John Gruden for two full days down in Tampa. And, of course, John was the quarterback, a whisperer, before there was one. And we studied the heck out of these guys because I wanted some input. Um, And we we started calling – it was funny – we started calling um, Bryce Young Little Mo. Uh, and there'll only be one, and ever only be one Mahomes, and Mahomes is big at six four plus. But he, this guy has the same kind of traits. He can make things happen at the last minute. He can dart out of it and hit somebody. Uh, he has that, and then the total commitment. The only problem with Bryce is what it is. I can't make him bigger than five ten, one eighty five, because that's what I think. The Nats five ten and an eighth, one eighty five. Now I wouldn't let that bother me. He would be the first quarterback off the board to me, and I would draw a line and then go to the rest of them. Now, I'm not going to be upset if somebody is a prototype drafter. John, if you're a prototype drafter and you tell me I just can't have a 5'10 quarterback, if you have a great reason for that, then you go that way. I'm just saying in my book, he is clearly number one, okay? Now, when you go through some of the other guys, uh, you know, I don't think that Stroud is clearly number two like a lot of people do. Um, I think Stroud is a um, he. Stroud is a guy who is maybe on in a college game is the most consistent guy in all things. You know, he's very very accurate, very good release. Um, you know, does those things. He has you know he's great great percentage statistics, which I don't put too much you know too much into in the college game, but he does. Uh, he has that. He's very, very accurate with the ball, good ball placement. Um, and, you know, I think that part of it's good. Uh, Stroud is a guy that I give him credit for consistency, but of the all of them, of all of them, to me, he just has the fewest wow plays. In other words, if if he were a gymnast, 
I would give him a lot of sevens and a lot of eights, but I don't know that I'd ever give him a ten. Okay, now the other thing, and it, you know, whether or not it should be a factor or not, it is to me. He plays the game in a rocking chair at Ohio State. Okay, he's got he's going to have five number one top draft pick receivers in the last two years. He's got an offensive line of top draft picks, so he very seldom gets pressure. He very seldom is out of rhythm, and you know, basically Ohio. Ohio State is better than everybody they play till they get in the finals. I mean, it's really that simple. And they ha- and they run an offense that is a, trem- a true college offense, not a pro offense, which is a one-look read and go. It's not a big processing thing. The biggest problem that I have is it's not going to be like that in the NFL. You're going to play with dirty pockets, cave pockets, a lot of blitzing, and when that happened to him in college, his efficiency really, really falls off. It really falls off the table. And so that is a, a little bit of a problem that I have with him. Now, again, if you draft him, you're going to get a guy with a really good arm and release. And so you've got a lot to work with. Um, Anthony Richardson is, you know, he is a boomer bust. He's polarizing to a lot of, a lot of respects. Um, unicorn tools. There's no question about that. Now, the three tools that he has, because he's not he's not like necessarily a five tool guy. What they say in baseball. Number one, he has size. Number two, he has the strong arm. I mean, he's a he's a runner heave guy. Uh, you know, and number three, obviously, he has that tremendous speed, that four four speed and running ability. Okay, so he has those things, and so you know, basically, those are like I said, those are unicorn talents, a four four three. Now he doesn't throw the ball with pinpoint accuracy. Okay, you know, Hertz was a little bit like that but better. So, you know, if you draft him, it's it's like I said, it's 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 like in, if you're playing uh, draw poker, five draw, five card draw, it's like holding the jack, the queen and the king of spades and you're drawn for the 10 and the ace. But if you hit a deuce there, <laughs> you just bust out. So, I think I mentioned this to Chris Ballard early in the process when Richardson was knocking it dead at the combine. He's a guy that makes you a genius or he gets you fired. Now, also, I think the figure, you got to understand it, he's going to take a while with only the 13 starts. Um, you know, I don't think that that's, you know, a fatal flaw, but that's what it is. He is not, I don't think he's as pro-ready as the rest of those guys. And so if he's the quarterback, then Gardner Minshew, his bridge is going to be a little bit longer to cross. It's not It's not going to be the, uh, the canal downtown Indianapolis. It's going to be more like uh, the bridge over Pontchartrain in New Orleans. It's going to be a longer Lengthy. bridge. <laughs> from from that standpoint but you know i just i just worry sometimes about prospects that make it you know in february and march um but he he has it if i think he's a really good kid i don't know how well he processes because again it's a one look and go um i think his test scores are very solid so he probably has a good chance on that um, I don't know. You want me to stop? Let tell me when you want me. No, to stop. I want you to know. You yeah, keep going, keep okay. going. I, I think because you want to get to to uh, Hooker as well. I think before yeah, we take a break yeah. here, because a lot of people want to know about that because yeah. he seems to be on the outside looking in. But continue. Okay. Well, 
So, you know, Richardson, again, is boom or bust. Now, you know, he's the kind of guy that is going to take a specialized offense. Now, we have the coaching staff for that. So if we take him, I'm confident that it will be a Jalen Hurts type of offense, which really uses the quarterback as the primary runner in the offense. But also, I thought – And I think they have good balance, and they play with enough NFL passing concepts to be really good. And I think that's why uh, Jalen has flourished so much at Philadelphia. I think Sirianni and Dash, you know, Steichen have done the best job in the National Football League, even better than Baltimore. Um, uh, uh, with with Jackson, I think those two guys have done the best job in the NFL of utilizing what a guy can do NCAA wise, quarterback, uh, you know what we call quarterback designers, and yet bring them along as an NFL passer. So if we do that, I'm pretty confident that our staff in time, uh, you know, has the best chance of bringing him on. Now the next guy. And obviously there's a lot of hate for this guy, and it seems to be uh, yep. real hate in Indianapolis. I don't know why. I think it's a pundit thing. Well, I know, I know why, so I'll get into that. And that's Levis. Now, I am in probably a, a real small minority because I even have guys that are my peers, not just guys that are uh, not really experts, guys that just read Pro Football Focus and read it back to you on the air. Um, I think we have those guys on like three days a week here, Rich. Yeah, they're on all the time, yeah. (laughs) Well, the actual focus guys are good because they do look at the tape, but the guys that just copy what they say, they have no idea what they're talking about. But I like Levis. I I think that Levis is a very outstanding prospect. Um, I think, you know, he has a tremendous gun. I mean, he has a tremendous arm. There isn't any question about it. He makes NFL throws. He throws the dig routes, the out. Routes. It's not. He's not just a run and heave guy. He can make those throws, and because he hasn't played on great teams, he can make off-platform throws. That is, he can be rushed. He can throw off the back foot. He can throw, you know, in bad positions and make tremendous plays. Uh, in some respects. You know, going 17 and 7 at Kentucky, and I defy somebody on the air to, to name me Kentucky prospects this year <laughs> that played with them. And more importantly, to go 10 and 3 with a really good offensive coordinator in 2021, I'm not sure that isn't the best accomplishment of all of them per, per his situation. Now, he does. There is an element to him where he forces the ball. I put that in a little bit of context. I'm not going to absolve it because it is what it is. But remember, Andrew Luck had 173 touchdowns and 83 interceptions. So it's not impossible for a good guy to do that. I do think what happens in context, because I've coached with bad teams, is you get a quarterback with a bad team, and basically what he has to do, he has to make every play. And so there are times when he is going to force the ball when he shouldn't, and it's head-scratching, and you say, how the heck did that happen? So that's something you're going to have to evaluate in this process to see if that is correctable, if it's a concentration error, or if it's just something trying to make plays. I, I think the other thing that works against him for
from a media standpoint is he's not a media darling. He's a little bit rigid. You know, he has some arrogance to him. He's not a funny kid. He doesn't he doesn't seem really likable. And so all of a sudden, you know, he's not that great guy. We don't like Levis. Something about Levis I don't like. Well, you know, they, they bring up two things. They bring up that he puts mayonnaise in his coffee and that he eats bananas without taking the peel off. Well, if he's my quarterback, I'm getting him a truckload of Chiquitas and I'm getting a truckload of Hellman's and say the hell with it, I'm going to coach him up. I, I think this guy has a lot of tools, and if he slips, if he does slip, uh, he may end up being the steal of the draft. He's, uh, you know, people talk about all these intangibles and all that stuff, and and there's a little bit of a weirdness. I would quote people saying that about him. Just remember, this kid has a master's degree in finance. He's got a master's degree. So, I mean, this guy is this guy's got some stuff going. So, again, I like Levis a little bit better than everybody does, and there just seems to be yep. so much hate. I can't believe it. And then Hooker. Well, well I tell you what, I, I'm going to take a break here. I want you to come back yeah, and close okay. with Hooker, and then I want to get to some of the other selections because you and I talked yeah. a little bit earlier. Those have seemingly been forgotten given yes. the whole quarterback debate we've been on for the past month plus here. So we'll do that with you on the other side, starting with Hooker and then moving on, okay? Okay, bud. All right. That's, uh, Rick Venturi's on hold. We'll come back. Again, Rick and Matt and Joe Wright's coming up on Thursday after this show with their draft coverage for round number one. Rick is back with us. If you have any questions at Jamby1070 on Twitter, Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Send them to me. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Two more minutes. They could be miles off course. That's impossible. They're on instruments. This is going to be a real sweat. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Aaron Rodgers officially now with the New York Jets. I'll give you that compensation between the Jets and the Packers in just a second. Meantime, Quickly back to the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline and from the Colts Radio Network, the former coach, the radio analyst, and he, Matt Taylor, and Joe Rides have the draft show round one for you coming up on Thursday. That will be after us right here. Rick Venturi rejoins via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. All right, close out with the possible quarterbacks at number four with Hendon Hooker. And then I want to move on to some of this other stuff that has been rarely discussed as far as the rest of the Colts draft, Rick, is concerned. Absolutely. And I'll go real quick on Hooker because, you know, I think he's a unique guy and I don't think he's going to be in that top four. Uh, I think he'll be a little bit higher than people think. I I think he will end up being a first round pick. Uh, I think Hooker, because of the ACL, is out of the picture. I think had he been healthy, um, he would have very much been somewhere in this uh, in this vicinity of this top four we've been talking about. You know, he's the one guy. I know it's not a fencing match, but he's the one guy that beat uh, Richardson at Florida, beat Young at Alabama, and beat Levis at Kentucky. So he's 3-0 and in those games. Great arm, great quick release. Played in a very, very sophisticated chaotic offense that drove people crazy so i guess the biggest the biggest question on hooker other than the knee is does he process that well 
or was the offense that good and that taxing on the defense that it created him for him? But really good kid. Uh, I think he's going to get drafted, like I said, much higher than originally thought. That's uh, Rick Venturi right there. Let's move on. Some yep. of the other needs. And one, as you and I talked about, they, they created more of immediate need at corner by trading Stephon Gilmore in the fashion in which they did. Is that where we're starting as far as positions of need after quarterback here? Well, I think, you know, I think number one, just a very quick um, preview to the specific question. You know, I think the biggest thing the Colts, I, I think the biggest weakness the Colts have is in the top 10 to 12 players in the rosters. We just, at that level, we don't have a ton of guys. We don't have enough guys uh, that either have it or are in position that changes the change the game position of significance, uh, and that's game changers, ambient type players. I, I think when you look at it from how you defense the Colts, you know there's really one guy on offense right now, and that's Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor is a game changer and a playmaker as a running back on defense. The one guy is Buckner. Buckner is the one guy that you really – and that's not to say they don't have some solid guys, but I'm talking about, you know, the guys like Cincy has at the – you know, on offense uh, that Philadelphia has, the, you know, that certainly Kansas City has, and even Jacksonville acquired last year, the quarterbacks, the receivers. I could go through every one, but we don't have time. And I think we're painfully lacking there. But, you know, when we don't do it in free agency, it's very hard to do it in one draft. It takes time um, in that regard. Uh, you're absolutely right. The third guy I was going to mention is gone is is Gilmore. I mean, Gilmore, to me, was one of the, the guys that you really had to scheme around. He was the one real playmaker when we needed it in the back end. So, you know, it's surprising to me how you could give him up for a fifth. But, you know, in effect, we did it. You know, whether it's a cap saving, his age or whatever, but he was still a damn good football player. So there is no question about it that we we created a need that was probably there already at corner. Now, uh, I think the good news is is that there are some, uh, you know, some really good corners. It's a really it may be the best corner class and tight end class in terms of quality. Uh, and depth of quality. Uh, you're not you. You're not only looking at guys. I think that are starters on the first round. But I think there's second day starters in those two positions. Um, and so you know when you look at that, some guys to keep keep your eyes on. I mean, I don't think there's any question that there's some guys going to go quick. I think Gonzalez is going to go quick in the first round. I think Witherspoon. I think those guys are top ten guys. Porter probably. Um, up in there on the first round. Guys that I think we should be really, really interested in and guys that could be a factor with that 35th pick um, is uh, my favorite, my favorite corner in the draft, period. I'd be honored to get him at any time. 35th is Deontay Banks. He may, I I got a feeling he's going to be a first rounder. Um, Kid out of Maryland, just great, great speed. 
speed, great explosiveness, stop on a dime. I think Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, even though he's a toothpick, another 4-3-6 guy that can fly. You're not making my team unless you can run at corner. One thing, one thing I know is a young corner has to be able to outrun his mistakes. And if you get marginal speed guys, they're going to really struggle and they're going to hold all day. Uh, DJ Turner out of Michigan. I like Ty Stevenson out of Miami, and I like Bennett uh, out of Maryland. Now, I could go on with more guys, but, you know, those are five guys that I really like. They have all the uh, all the metrics. I, I think they're really good football players, and they're going to be guys that you're going to be thinking about. They're going to be in the mix around 35. Um, hey, I was going know, really quick. Julius Brents from Indianapolis. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about him because he's different being the fact he is so so tall, rangy in yeah, this case. Brents is really an interesting guy. Brents is not and, – and I'll get into it. Brents does everything well. Brents is really, really good on tape. He has a tremendous vertical jump. I think it's 41-something. Um, he has a tremendous short shuttle. I think it's 4-1-0. The only – and he has really long arms. You're right. He plays really long, and he's a really good technician. Um, he's going to play in the league. There ain't any doubt about it. He may be here. He tends to be the kind of guy that Ballard really likes. My problem is I have one problem, and I never back off from it. And that doesn't necessarily make me right, but he is about a 4-5-3 guy. He comes over a little bit over. To me, that cutoff point is 4-5. And that, that doesn't mean that there aren't exceptions that can really get in and play, particularly with his explosiveness and his quickness. But that is a little bit of a non-starter for me. So Rick Venturi via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline again. He, Matt Taylor, Joe Wright have your draft coverage round one Thursday. After this show, they'll be out at the uh, Colts Complex with season ticket holders for the show. That is something you will not want to miss as well. All right, other thoughts, and and we'll yeah. trail into the next break as well because you've always had, and I've always loved this, your Morse Reservoir All-Stars, but you have added a different layer to that this year haven't you i sure have and uh i call it my combination morse reservoir all-stars slash my et team now you you remember the movie i do e. come home i think i cried and, uh, during that I, movie I want, in 1982 i think <laughs> i want some of those guys to come home now the reason i call it et and some of these guys i just mentioned are going to be repeats on this is the one thing that you can't coach. And I found myself over the years cherishing these traits, particularly after I've looked at the film. Now, if the guy's not even good on film, I don't care about the traits. But the two traits that you just can't coach, they have to be there, is explosiveness, that's the E, and twitch. And twitch is just that that quickness. It's hard to define, but you know it when you see it. And so that's where the ET tum comes from. And so I've got a bunch of guys that I will list. And what I've done, the reason it's not all Morse Reservoir All-Stars, is there are several guys here that on that second day could be in the picture. A few of them handful of them may go in the top 15 but there's a lot of guys that i'm going to list for you to be alert for uh i think that it would be really good on that second that second and third round yeah et is what you're calling it et yep anybody come to mind 
Okay, I got several guys. If we got time, we, I mean, uh, give me give me a three and a half minutes worth, and then we'll take a break and come back and close it with you. Okay. <laughs> all right. On the offensive end of it. On the offensive end of it. All right. Here's the receivers that I really like. Right. Now, uh, some of them, you know, like Flowers, are probably going to be in the first round. But here's guys that are really – they can fly. They can make plays. I, th- I think this year's receiver core is not great at the um, very top. I, I don't think you have that kind of stuff. But I think it's exceptional on the second day. Now, what it is is a lot of smaller, faster slot-type guys. But we need guys that can make plays. So here's some names, guys I really like. I really like uh, Flowers out of uh, Boston College. He's small, slot guy, but he can catch it and run it. He can separate. I really like Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. Now, he's an outside guy. If if I had Hyatt, I would probably consider uh, using Pittman more at the slot where I think he'd be more effective. Um, I really like Marlon Mims out of Oklahoma. Again, a small slot, very much like Flowers, who's a big play, who can jump out of the gym. I like a kid, and this would be a Morris Reservoir All-Star. He's not He's not in that top, you know, 40 guys. But a guy I really like is another kid out of Cincinnati, uh, Tyler Scott, who can really fly. And then uh, my dark horse on this is we've done so well in the Northeast with uh, – you know, with Thomas and um, and uh, Rogers, uh, you know, we've had low draft picks out of the Northeast actually play very good. And I like Oasevich, the receiver from Princeton. And all five of these guys that I mentioned really uh, not only look good on film, but they can run, they can fly, take the top off the defense. So, you know, in terms of my of my receivers, those are the five guys that make my ET team that you're going to be thinking about on that second day. Ah, oh, man. So Rick Venturi via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Let me take a break and come back. Uh, I got some, a whole team for oh, so I, I know you we do. Can, we could go three hours today if you want. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll uh, maybe get an edge rusher on the backside yeah. of this, and then okay. Okay. I, I'm yeah. curious. I am curious your thoughts, and we'll have to do this quickly at right guard, and then for Shaquille Leonard as well, moving okay. forward to linebacker. Rick, I'll put you on hold. Rick Venturi rejoins us. Daniel Jeremiah, five o'clock hour, getting you draft prep ready with ninety three five and one zero seven five. The fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Well, you're going to have to say that. You're going to have to speak up because I can't hear you. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network in the 5 o'clock hour. 
Podcast. Colts.com is Rick Venturi, Matt Taylor, answering a lot of these questions as well in a bit of a longer form. Actually, it's not in a longer form. I think we're going as long here in the 4 o'clock hour as they do in the podcast. Again, Colts.com and the Colts Radio Network with us on Thursday with Matt, Joe Wrights, and Rick. Round number one of the NFL Draft. Of course, that and more what we're talking about via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We'll bring Rick Venturi back. I mentioned edge rushing opportunities. Where do they stand, according to you, in this draft? Well, you know, I don't think there's any question about it. Will Anderson's going to be gone in the lottery. Um, uh, probably Tyree Wilson. I don't think quite as high as people think, but I think he'll be. I think he'll be gone in the first round. Um, and so, I mean, those are the two, you know, athletic guys that I, I think are pretty visible to everyone. Everybody kind of knows those names. But here's some edge guys that I really, really like, um, and and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go through them a little bit with you. Um, these are I, now a couple of these guys. Uh, the first one probably won't make it through the first round, but I really like Nolan Smith out of Georgia. He's you know he's a really good football player. And he he just ran a four three nine at the combine. I mean this guy is explosive. He's on that ET team for a reason. The other guy I like right with him is, and he won't go in the first round, is Brian Young out of Tennessee. Another really good, these are guys, what we need is that guy off the edge like Riddick at Philadelphia that is fast and gets up there and makes plays. We have ponderous rushers. We have guys that play hard, but they don't just have the jet. That's why I'm putting a lot of emphasis on speed. So, again, I start with Nolan Smith and uh, and Brian Young. I like Hall out of Auburn. I like Will McDonald uh, out of Iowa State. Uh, I like the white kid out of Georgia Tech. That's five guys. And then on a later, on a third day, uh, I have a Morris Reservoir all-star um, you know, and that is a rich that is a Ramirez out of Eastern Michigan. But you know, those four, you know, those guys above that, those top four or five guys, really have good tape. They have ability, and and they can all all run. I mean, they can all fly off that edge. And I think we have to put a premium on that. I think explosiveness is is where we're lacking. And game changers, you know, the the Joey Boses, the Khalil Max, you know, the Von Millers, uh, even guys like Riddick that, you know, change the game on defense, change the game yeah. on offense. You know, when I was a young rookie coach, and I've carried it with me my entire life, and I think the top teams in the league are have this as a model. Uh, Polian had it as a model, um, is – I remember my first personnel director, Fred Schubeck, who I learned a lot from way back 41 years ago. And Fred said to me, Rick, when you draft and you invest in players high, you take guys who knock the quarterback down or guys that put the ball in the end zone and make do with everything else. And if you look at the, you know, the Manning model, it was pretty much like that. You know, you had Hall of Fame receivers, running back, uh, great quarterback, obviously. Edge rushers. And then two edge rushers when, you know, when you had the lead. And, you know, and then the rest of it, everybody kind of made do. There was good players along the line. But basically you won because of those perimeter players. Cincinnati has it. uh, Philadelphia has it. 
Kansas City has it. And everybody criticized Jacksonville in the offseason for Kirk, you know, and Ingram and Zay Jones. But you know what? They All they did was win a division going from terrible. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a proven thing, and, and I think we've got to get there. So Rick Venturi, quickly before I, I let you go, too, I want to ask you about Dewan Jones, the tackle from Ben yeah. Davis that played at Ohio State. What do you yeah. think about his game at the next level? I really, really like him. I, I think, you know, he's he's so big. I mean, he is so huge. Um, you know, he just blocks out the sun, to be honest with you. But he is a much better athlete. He is one of my favorites who is not in that top tier, probably in the next tier. Um, he is really one of my favorites on tape. He has much better athleticism for that size. You know, he's primarily a right tackle. That's where he'll be. But there's more importance on the right tackle today than there's ever been. Um, my favorite, too, and I will mention these two guys, because yep. you, you, you actually three guys. Uh, I, I Now he's a real riser, and he's in. He's going to be midway in the first half. But I, I love Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. I had him as a top pick right off the bat. And now all of a sudden, after the combine and everything, he's really risen out of Tennessee. Uh, I like Cody Mock out of North Dakota State. I think he's a guy that plays tackle, but he could be a that right guard, uh, you know, type of guy. I mean, he's a, he's another guy that's that's that way. And then Jones, obviously, is the third guy, a fourth guy that I really like, and I think he's going to be a second day guy. I like the guard out of TCU. Now, there's a lot of guards, a lot of people like I like Avila. He is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, inside, and we saw him there. play a great deal in in competitive situations too. So. Yeah, I, I yeah. think he's t- I think he's a road grader, but I think he's athletic enough to protect. And so those are those are kind of four guys that I really like. That although I think you could you can take Wright out of there. I think Wright's going to go with Johnson, Skaronski, um, uh, the Jones from Georgia. I mean, I, I, I think I think that Wright is going to go right with those guys in the first round. All right, Rick, final minute here. We just got news recently regarding Shaquille Leonard. What did you think in terms of him ever getting back to what everybody thought he was going to be? Well, I just, I'm pulling for him. I, I, I'm just pulling so hard for him. Um, you know, he's got the right stuff. Um, when I talk about guys that impact the game, um, he does it in a different way. Uh, he takes the ball away. He has a unique skill. Um, he would mean so much to you because you just don't have those guys. You don't have those game changers, and he is definitely one of them. Obviously, last year was just a terrible struggle for him. I worry about it because I, you know, I've had back surgery myself. It's it's just not an easy thing, and no two guys are the same. So, like I say, I'm I'm really pulling for him because he would have, you know, both a game changing and I I really believe this an emotional lift on this team. That's uh, Rick Venturi right there again. The podcast at Colts.com that answers a lot of these questions regarding the draft, and he and Matt Taylor and Joe Wrights got you anchored coming up on Thursday for round number one of that draft and their show follows mine right here on the fan i cannot thank you enough for doing this every single year it is really the highlight it is the three or four times you join us every year um awesome just absolutely awesome thank you very much Oh, good friend. I I absolutely love that hour. I cherish that hour. So let's have a good time Thursday night. All right. Get back with you soon, Rick. Thank you. 
Okay, man. Rick Venturi on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. From the local angle to the national angle, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, going to be staked out in Kansas City for the draft. He's scheduled to join us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. And there is no one that does it better. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, Rick Venturi, podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Thanks to Rick for joining us, as he does every year at this time. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he'll be staked out in Kansas City coming up beginning on Thursday as well, a part of the NFL Network coverage of the 2023 NFL Draft, which should be absolutely spectacular. Once again, Thursday at 8 o'clock is when it's underway. And NFL Network analyst Daniel Jeremiah is kind enough to join us now on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Daniel, things are getting down the stretch run here for number four overall. How are you doing as far? as the draft and all this consumption of information is concerned <laughs> i was uh i was in between interviews been knocking out a bunch of these and uh i thought you know what let me uh let me jump on twitter i'm a big padre fan let's see is you darvish's hamstring gonna be okay <laughs> and as soon as i jumped on there i saw that there and rogers trade yeah so i'm like this is uh this is going to be a wild ride. Yeah, you know what? I'm glad you started there, too, because we'll jump into the whole Colts situation in a second. But everybody thought that that was going to have to get done before the draft, so logically it did, and there you go, right? Finally, right? I mean, finally we kind of know, and I, I, I see everybody's kind of freaking out about what the compensation was, and I feel like this shouldn't be that much of a surprise. I mean, I, I thought it would be a two this year and uh, a conditional pick next year. In other words, he, he plays well or plays a lot, and then maybe they get a one out of the deal. So basically be a one and a two. And then, you know, it felt like, okay, that's where the, it was, and we just couldn't get it finalized. So we always call it in, in personnel, we call it like you put a little sweetener in there. Okay, well, you, look, you pick, you pick 15, we pick 13. Here you go. You can have 13, we'll take 15, and you give us back a fifth, we'll give you a six. Like that's – that's really a bunch of a big pile of nothing. Um, so it really was a, a two this year and a conditional two next year that could turn into a one if he if he plays. Was that a solid haul for the Packers in your estimation? I think it was what they needed to get. I think they achieved what they needed to achieve. You know, I, I think if you're if you're looking at it from a Jets standpoint, it's a it's somewhat of a fatalistic fan base. So I think the thought is, oh my gosh, we traded. You know, we could end up trading next year's one. And that's going to be a top two pick, and we're going to miss out on Caleb Williams or Drake May. And what are we doing? Well, look, if if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps, I think that roster is good enough where I, I can't envision them, uh, you know, giving away a top five pick. I imagine they got a chance to be a playoff team. At Move the Sticks, Daniel Jeremiah on Twitter is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You mentioned a fatalistic fan base in New York. You know, it's, <laughs> it's weird around here because that's kind of the direction in which the Colts fan base is going because there's been a, a lot of losing and then this past season uh, a lot of discombobulation going on. They're trying to reset themselves in particular at the quarterback position. Is this the draft in your estimation for Chris Ballard and company to do just that? 
I almost think they have to, you know, like you're picking all the way up there that there's, you know, there's reason to believe they won't be up this high again. They have some good pieces in place on this team. They weren't healthy last year. It's hard to imagine them picking right back up here again next year. So I, I think if there's a quarterback you like, you take him. If you're sitting there waiting for the perfect prospect, you're never going to take one. And they've been on this veteran carousel for so dang long. Like it's time, it's time to stop dating and it's time to get married. Yeah. So, all right, I'm going to give you a situation. This goes back when you're in a bad season, a four win, one tie season, as we went through this past year, you get start talking about the draft during the season. And and that's kind of odd around here. So I, I get some info that they liked Will Levis during the college football season, during their season a year ago. And it's been weird. I haven't heard anything differently. I'm not assuming here at all that I'm accurate about it. But where do you look at Levis compared to the other possibilities that loom for the Colts Thursday night at number four? Well, I, you know, I think there's obviously the rumors are out there that somehow Stroud might get there. And I think that would make the decision, you know, pretty interesting. Um, you know, I think that it's been assumed, okay, Bryce Young's gone, Stroud's gone. It doesn't seem like there's a real appetite for people to get up to three. And we really haven't seen, in, in terms of draft day trades, we just haven't seen many teams travel the distance that a team like Tennessee would have to travel. Usually if those trades are done, they're done way ahead of time um, and, and allow for a lot of planning to take place. So I think you have to go back to to 14, the last time a team picking you know, at 10 or around 10 to come all the way up inside the top three. Um, it just doesn't happen. So I think, I think they're going to be stuck there at three, which means you know, if you're the Colts, if you assumed that, that Stroud was going to be gone, you were going to be real comfortable with Will Levis. And now it's like, well, hey, maybe there's only one quarterback off the board and they're having to make the choice between Stroud and Levis. And that's where, to me, it gets a little more interesting. Well, I like I like Stroud a great deal. There's no doubt about that. But I'll be honest with you, and I've been honest with the audience, a lot of that came with that national semifinal performance against Georgia. I mean, it did. I thought mm-hmm. in that game, Daniel, that he looked like the quarterback that this Colts team has needed through all the Band-Aids of the past three years, right? The post-luck scenario, what they needed here. How much of what we saw in that thumbnail sketch is what you believe him to be at the next level? Well, I believe if you can do it once, we know you can do it. And the question with him was never, can he make this throw or that throw? He can do it. He's an excellent thrower. The question was just some of the playmaking stuff. And so if you've shown that you can do that, I know that you've got that club in your bag and we've got to continue to, you know, continue to, to get you to do more of it. Now at Ohio State, you don't get as many opportunities because you just flat out aren't going to have a lot of pressure, uh, you know, to be able to show that aspect of your game off. So I thought it was key. Uh, you go back and watch him the year before in the Rose Bowl against Utah, and Utah had a pretty good group there with a lot of players that are going to be drafted and have been drafted. Uh, he carved them up like a turkey. So, uh, he, he's to me, he's a really talented player. I think he's clearly the second quarterback in this class. Uh, and if I were Indianapolis and he, he got there as, as, you know, as a choice between him and Will Levis, Will Levis would intrigue me, but I think I would feel a little more comfortable with C.J. Stroud. Why is Levis intriguing to you? Just the, the the size, the arm strength, the the athleticism when he's healthy. You know, I think that toe was a big issue this year. Um, just couldn't move around as much. But he just gives you more overall physicality, more you know, just kind of horsepower as a thrower. Like he's got 
he has some of those elite traits in terms of the arm strength. And then, you know, when he gets going, he gets moving. He's a really good runner. So um, those are the things that are intriguing with him. But he doesn't have great pocket presence. He's a little bit beat up. Um, and I think at times he can get a little too aggressive, you know, with his with his style of play, both as a thrower and a runner. So those are the red flags. Against, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network, the NFL Network coverage, uh, 8 o'clock for the first round of the draft. And NFL Network live from Kansas City coming up on Thursday. Daniel Jeremiah again joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. The way that I look at this, let's just say hypothetically here, which is going to happen, not even hypothetically, but Bryce Young's off the board. And you look at... At Stroud, with that that opportunity, you look at Levis and what and how you just described him. Where does Anthony Richardson in his 13 game starts uh, for the Florida Gators enter in? As far as man, that is intriguing. But according to you, he's a fun fit there for me. Um, so I actually have him as my third quarterback, just a you know a spot or two ahead of Levis. So you know I, I've been kind of advocating for that fit with with Indy because I just think it'd be so dang fun, you know, to watch him in the backfield with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, pick your poison on that one. You want to run zone read who you want to, who you want to attack. If you're the defensive end, that would be a lot of fun. It just, I've heard no buzz out of there on him zero. And maybe that's, maybe they've just been coy and maybe they've held their cards incredibly close to the vest. And that's going to be the, you know, the surprise pick is they end up do taking Richardson, but, I think it's a fun fit. I think Gardner Minshew allows you to be a little bit patient with him. You know, I think he needs to play. He's only had 13 starts. I don't think you want to sit him for a whole year. Um, But I think it would be nice, you know, four games, five games, let him kind of ease into it, and then off you go. Um, so I like the fit there, but uh, again, you just hear no chatter about him there. I would agree with you on that as well. Now, part of it, I think they, they have a locked up inner circle right here to a point where I kind of questions around here whether or not they're telling you know, Jim, everything, to be honest with you, Daniel, yeah. uh, because of the <laughs> social media presence alone there. But anyway, yeah, nothing's been coming out of there. But with Richardson, and you brought up just how long it might take for him to evolve into that starter. What is that length of time, in your opinion, it would take for him to to be able to get Menchu out of there and get those reps as a starting NFL quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's a few games. I think you're talking about a handful of games. Uh, let him see it. Let him see it from the sideline. Uh, let's get him really, really comfortable with how you're going to use him and how you're going to operate with him. Let him watch just a little bit. But then, you know, he's got to get out there. He's got to get out there. He's got to get experience. He's got to get reps. I think you can lean on his legs a lot more early on. You know, he's he's got a rare body now to be able to take some punishment. So I, I think you're going to play him a lot different year one than you will year three. But I think because of his athleticism, it allows you to get him on the field. Well, he says all the right things. There's no doubt about that. And he's he's getting covered beyond really anybody else out there as far as what people could think. I don't normally get taken by the pro day, but I will say this. Going back a month ago, that, that pro day was yeah. incredible. When you look at the raw athletic ability that he has, that was incredible. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the combine. I haven't seen a show like that from a quarterback. Mm. I've never seen anything like it. But, you know, the interesting thing is some 
some buddies in the league when we start getting a little uh, a little too too much hyperbole. They're like, hey, you know, Fields ran four four five in his pro day. You act like you've never seen a. I'm like, okay, okay, <laughs> it's back off. We're just enjoying what we're seeing here. He did a nice job. When you supposedly have so many quarterbacks uh, with need out there that are so close together, as far as this this part of the draft is concerned, how much do you think the whole leadership quality, the one on one personal time these teams get with these quarterbacks? The coachability, which certainly was something that had been questioned last week regarding C.J. Stroud. And again, Daniel, I know all this crap comes out this time of year. This is really normalcy. But how much of that would play a role considering where these quarterbacks are so tightly wound with one another at the top of this draft? Well, I mean, I wouldn't. You know, I, I wouldn't want to turn in the card on a on a quarterback that I wasn't comfortable with from a work ethic and tangible standpoint. It's just too hard. So if you aren't dialed in in that area, I can see how that could be a, a tough one for you. So, um, you know, I haven't got on. You know, in regards to C.J. Stroud, I've talked to folks at Ohio State, I've talked to different teams that have that have met with him. I've yet to hear a smoking gun of, you know, oh man, we can't take him because of this. Uh, you know, so in terms of their their conversations with him or their impressions of him or what they've heard. So, um, I, I've, I'm curious to see how this whole thing shakes out. Um, I know there's talk of him maybe dropping down the board a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of in the mode of I'll believe it when I see it. Well, maybe we see it, you know, coming in pick number two. Do you think it's reasonable <laughs> to believe that Houston, with their obvious quarterback needs, will go ahead and delay that another year? I, people would lose it around here because it seems like that they've been kind of punting and band-aiding things for the past three years here, certainly. But is that reasonable to believe that they're going to bypass on a quarterback because they don't like anybody but Bryce Young? I don't see their – 2023 starting quarterback on their current roster. So I would be shocked if they leave the first round with those two first round picks, two picks in the top 12, and they don't come away with a quarterback and they're just going to run it back with the group that they have with Davis Mills and Case Keenum, EJ Perry, I would be shocked. That's all the rage. We'll find out early, I guess, coming up on Thursday. You'll be yeah. there front and center with the NFL Network in Kansas City. What are your thoughts on Hendon Hooker coming off that injury and really yeah. put up great numbers, but all that kind of went under the cloud of that injury he's coming back from a year ago? Yeah, I mean, really, there were kind of three questions with him. It was the age, it was the injury, and it was the offense. So, you know, you, you've got to get comfortable with all three. Now, I've been told – you know, going through the medical stuff, he came out well. Um, teams were comfortable that he'll be back and rocking and rolling by September, you know, full speed. So that that was encouraging. I've been told with the offense he came out of, and, you know, they spread you. It's that old Baylor offense that when they've met with him, they've come away incredibly impressed with him and, uh, and just his overall football knowledge. They think he'll be able to make an adjustment in time. And the age is what it is. You know, you, you, you can't do anything about that. Um, but I think he is – I think he's likely to hear his name called at some point in time in the first round. There's just too many teams. You, you mentioned it earlier. There's too many teams that need quarterbacks. And the whole philosophy of we'll just get one next year, I mean, that might be somebody else making that pick at that time. Hey, Daniel, we're on the carousel here because each and every year at this time, I talk about how they're in need of a wide receiver. And, of course, a year ago with Alec Pierce, they certainly addressed that. How, yeah. does, how does this crop of wide receivers in this draft compare to the one that we saw a year ago that including Alec Pierce as a rookie here with the Colts? I don't think it's as good. Um, I, I think there's some depth. I think there's some real depth. I think there's some solid guys. But last year it was it was stacked at the top, and I thought there were you know potential you know 
some star quality players even outside the first clump. This year, I feel like there's starters, more starters than stars, if that makes any sense. I think there's a lot of number twos and number threes, chance to be solid players. But, you know, I don't see a lot of uh, 1,000-yard receivers in this class. If you're going in Thursday, beginning Thursday, and you're looking at the overall depth of this draft, positionally speaking, what's at the top of your list? Well, to me, I think you look at at offense and defense. So offensively, it feels to me, you look at the tight end position, it's the best group I've seen in a decade. It's really, really good. Um, The running back position has got a lot of depth as well. So those would be the two positions offensively. Defensively, it's corner and edge rusher. Uh, edge rusher probably being the top for me of all of them. Uh, there is a there are a lot of, of talented edge rushers in this class. Again, not the premier guy at the very top. Will Anderson's my top guy. He's a good player, but he is not Von Miller. He's not Miles Garrett. He's not Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa. So. Um, to me, it's strength in numbers with those edge rushers. What's most intriguing after the whole drama uh, and this mystery, I guess, at the top of this draft with quarterbacks, once that's done, what's most intriguing about the remainder of this draft to you? Well, I I think there's a couple things. I mean, B. John Robinson to me, um, you know, where he goes, he's my number three overall player. And it's the, you know, it's the debate we have every year with running backs, but uh, he's a pretty special talent. So, that one is, is interesting to me. And then, honestly, the, the the most intriguing thing to me about this draft might might just be, you know, the veterans that are out there. Last year, if you asked this before the draft, A.J. Brown going to get traded during the draft? No clue. Out of left field. How about Marquise Hollywood Brown getting traded? Nope. All that stuff happened within like an hour period uh, in the middle of the first round. So I'm just – I'm curious now. We've got so many younger GMs, and they do things a little differently, and they're aggressive. So maybe there's some veteran movement that we have no clues coming, and that'll really spice this thing up. Yeah, I, th- I think we, we certainly noticed when A.J. Brown was traded live during the draft when Mike Vrabel got really wanted to vomit on TV like that. You kind of knew <laughs> exactly yeah. where that, that thing was, was certainly going. It's Daniel Jeremiah with the NFL Network coverage beginning on Thursday from Kansas City. Kind enough to join us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Before I let you go, you mentioned wide receiver, you mentioned cornerback, you mentioned edge rusher for the Colts in round two and round three. That's 35 and 79. If you're looking for a corner, maybe even an edge rusher, rusher in that neighborhood there any names you have in mind with availability at those picks well you know we'll see when emmanuel forbes comes off the board the corner from mississippi state who's notoriously light he was 166 pounds at the combine uh was 170 as <laughs> pro day but he, he's, he might be the most talented corner in the whole draft uh that's about the range he's gonna go start looking at keely ringo and, and tyreek stevenson could be names in that in that range as well and then edge rusher wise you know, Will, Will McDonald is a really good one from Iowa State who's a little undersized, and I think Keon White is probably going to be in that range as well. Is Will Anderson, is he the best talent in this draft beyond any position? He's number, I had him number two. Yeah. So I had Bryce Young number one, and I had Will Anderson as teammate number two. So I, I think he's the best defensive player. I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to be a real solid, solid guy. I don't think he's at, you know, the level of some of those premier, premier edge rushers we've had in some of these previous years. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. I'm sure you guys will have a, a hard target on Indy as well at number four to see what happens. And again, Daniel Jeremiah, along with his colleagues at the NFL Network, got you covered. I believe that's at 8 o'clock coming up on Thursday, the 2023 NFL Draft, live from Kansas City. Now, you got to take this big, like, book with you or stuff or is this all on computer? Do you do it old school way or are you new school here? 
I, I've, I've had to be new school. So I, I, over you know, a few years back, I, I dump it all in Excel spreadsheets, and I've got it all sorted every way you could possibly sort it with all my nuggets and notes in there. And um, it's the only way to do it because I, I figured that out the hard way the first year doing the media stuff. And it was like, I don't want to be summoned through a book trying to find my notes when a trade happens. That's not, <laughs> it's not a good place to be in live television. No, 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 no. Now, when this is all over, when, when do you go on vacation for like two months? I, you know what? The kids have to finish school. So I've got a couple still in high school. So I'm like, you know, trying to tell my wife I'm taking a break and going to Hawaii while she stays home with the kids. That doesn't, that doesn't go over well. You don't think so she'd go for that? You don't think she'd yeah, go for I that? Yeah, I think that might not be popular if it's in my house. <laughs> Hey, I appreciate you jumping on here as well, and we'll see what the Colts do. And, and by the way, I don't know if I ask you this before I let you go. Do you have a yeah. number four for the Colts as we sit here right now? Did you say that you thought that that was going to be Richardson, or are you pulling for Richardson? Uh, I would love to see Richardson. I think it's going to be Levis. Yeah. You and me both. You and me both. Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network. You can follow him on Twitter. And, of course, from Kansas City, he's got you covered along with the NFL Network beginning at 8 o'clock. Round number one on Thursday on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Daniel, I appreciate that. And here's once you're done and the kids are out of school, you get started on one hell of a Hawaiian vacation right there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already thinking about it. Trust me. I appreciate it. Yep. Right back at you, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Daniel Jeremiah on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So he says Levis, too. He's hoping Richardson says Levis. I was hoping Stroud and say Levis. See, that's the problem is here. Uh, Since I was on the ground floor of this, for this to actually happen, would you agree for this to actually happen? It cannot be with this many people on board. So it's going to go a different direction because of that alone, right? This has become way, way too popular of a pick for this to end up happening. Has to be. All right, we'll come back. I got time for your calls now. Rick Venturi, Daniel Jeremiah, Jake Query, podcast 1075thefan.com, inside the lounge via YouTube Live with a fantastic conversation regarding what was just taking place interview-wise and their thoughts on the draft as well. We can do anything you want coming up next to a little baseball if you want to sneak that in, some NBA postseason as well. Big night for that, especially late, 10 o'clock for game number four between the Lakers and the Grizzlies. Cannot wait for that. But your thoughts on what you've heard so far today from Rick Venturi, from Daniel Jeremiah, Regarding the Colts and the draft, we'll rehash the Colts draft coverage coming up on Thursday and get with your calls at 239-1070. That's next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, Robo, any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, man, what a great 90 minutes right there for you, football fans. 
Rick Venturi for an hour in the 4 o'clock hour. Again, the coverage with the Colts is going to be Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, and Joe Wrights coming up on Thursday. That follows this show for you. And obviously, going to keep you updated on absolutely everything that goes down and concentrating on number four. Rick was great because we talked about everything. He went top of the draft and midway through and then bottom all these names for you to watch. If you missed a minute, podcast 1075thefan.com. And Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network, just with us. Uh, Hopefully you caught that as well. At Move the Sticks on Twitter. And the NFL Network coverage begins at 8 o'clock coming up on Thursday live from Kansas City. Daniel Jeremiah believing that it will be Will Levis. Hoping that it's Richardson believing that it's Levis. I'm hoping that it's Stroud and believing, as I have for a number of months, that it's going to be Levis. Get your thoughts. Time for you at 239-1070, if you so desire, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Absolutely fantastic conversation going in there, too. It is going to be a busy week. That's just a hell of a way to get off to a ride. You got draft week, draft Thursday. You go back-to-back, Rick Venturi and Daniel Jeremiah. It does not get any better than that. All right, calls now at 239-1070. Doug is up first today. Hello, Doug. Hi there. Uh, The reason I called today is Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring up a quarterback that's not even on the radar right now, and I'm not quite sure. I guess under the circumstances, I can't understand. But Sam Ellinger, everywhere he's played, from high school through college, and even with the time that he got last year, has excelled uh, at the quarterback position. Even Ballard said he had the it factor, I think, a year ago. Uh, He was going to get, what, seven games but that turned out to be a wash when, when things changed uh, with coaching. I was just wondering, do you see a future for him on the Colts, or is he going to have to go somewhere else to, to show that he can be a starting NFL yeah, quarterback? Yeah, it, it is not going to be here. It is not going to be here. And I will, you, you mentioned that, that Ballard said he had the it factor. These guys have said a lot about a lot of things, right? I mean, they had mm-hmm. Jacoby Brissett, if you remember, I think a you know top 10 or 15 quarterback, and he was taken over for the retired Andrew Luck. So they will mm-hmm. say a lot. Um, yeah, that's that's not working. He may very well be a, a third-string quarterback here. Um, I don't know what they're going to end up doing with him, but as far as mm-hmm. you know, any thought of him being a long-term starter, it is not going to happen here. I think you're right. I, I don't like to hear that, but I think the yeah. reality is they've already moved on. And It is absolutely it. Yeah. I'm it, sure it Sam is. is kind of looking to see what his next step is. It is. I appreciate that, Doug. Thank you for the call. Not happening here. Not sure it's going to happen anywhere. Doubt if it's going to happen anywhere. Not going to be here. And, and again, it's it's like when you hear stuff like that from them regarding the quarterbacks, it's like the stuff that you hear right now about the quarterbacks there's just always a lot of bs well wait a minute they don't lie i'm not suggesting they lie but they're not going to come out and say well this guy that we're stuck with right here doesn't have the it factor because he didn't have really anything else so you have to have the it factor nothing against him but that's just the way that it is 
And believe me, it wasn't only Chris that said that. The reason why he got the start, the reason why he was thrust into that role this past year is because that's what the owner wanted. But they are moving on, moving on with a rookie. And I don't know how quickly that rookie is going to start. That's why you have Gardner Minshew. But it uh, will not be Sam Ellinger. Jeff is next at 239-1070. Jeff, welcome to the show. Uh, What I want to know is I'm I'm hearing all kinds of stuff going on about uh, Aaron Rodgers. Has he been traded to the Jets? Aaron Rodgers has been traded to the Jets. Yeah, we talked about that just uh, last segment with Daniel Jeremiah, in fact. He has been traded finally to the Jets. Okay, so that's a done deal. It is a done deal. You go out and grab your Jets jersey right now. So what did the Packers get for him? Um, yeah, they got they got a pretty good haul for him. So the um, I'm going to check it out right now. I didn't have the page on it. It's uh, what is it? A couple of first rounders, got a second rounder. I have to look it up. I don't have it in front of me right now, but it was a a pretty pretty decent haul. Is what the Packers got for him. Let me see here. It uh, deal includes a second rounder, first round pick swap this year. So a second rounder this year, a first round uh, selection swap this year, conditional first rounder in 2024. I realize this is speculative. Yes. How many? How many more years does he have left? I don't have any idea. I, I, I you know, great, good luck because they've been an absolute mess. Have the Jets, and that's going to infuse a great deal of juice with that team, its fan base, in that particular area. But you wonder, is it going to be more of, hey, here he comes with this greatness, or hey, here he comes with that baggage of being a pain? So you know what I mean? Years, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what you're going to end up getting there. How many years has he been in the league? Do you have any idea? What, since uh, 04, something like that? What is he, a 17-year? Look that up, James. 17-year? Something like that? Well, like More than that? Years? 18, 19? I don't know. Somewhere in the teens, late teens? Okay. okay. Cool. Jeff, thank you very much. Thank you. The Aaron Rodgers Show. <laughs> thank you. Was I in the ballpark? So he started playing in 2005 is when he got drafted. So about 17. Oh, man. I'm right on the money with that. That's pretty amazing. Mike's up next. Hello, Mike. How you doing? Great, Mike. Couple of dumb questions for you. If you were doing the picking, would you take C.J. Stroud or would you take Will? Who would be your second pick? And do you think the kid from Notre Dame's worth talking about um i would take cj stroud yeah i've made a point out of that i would take cj stroud if cj stroud is available at number four that's who i would select i just don't think that they will do that i, I again daniel jeremiah has me questioning whether or not houston is going to go through with not drafting a quarterback but whatever um i would definitely draft cj stroud number four he'd be my right. my second quarterback and who would be your second pick at 39 or whatever it is. Um, oh, it's it's um well, I mean that's that's a little bit different. I I brought up the Brent's kid for good reason. Now Rick Venturi says he's not he Rick Venturi wants faster guys and he says he's not not as fast as he would want. So the kid here from Indianapolis, 6 foot 3 cornerback. 
I guess what I'm saying here is there or at least the cornerback position, I think, is where you have to go. Now, I also will tell you this. A guy like Zay Flowers at wide receiver could be interesting in round number two if he's available because they still need wide receivers and because the cornerback position has, again, not according to me, but to those that study this, so much depth, you wouldn't have to worry about going with a cornerback in round number two. Maybe you wait until round number three. So, yeah, maybe go quarterback, wide receiver, and then cornerback with those first three selections that you're talking about there. What about the what about the tackle, the offensive tackle? When do you think that should be addressed? Well, they seem to think right now that Bernard Ryman, who was a rookie a year ago, is a starting left tackle variety. So I think that they're they're hoping, believing but more so hoping that he is going to be the guy at left tackle. They may end up trying to bring in a guard or a swing type of offensive lineman at some point in this draft. I wouldn't doubt that. But at left tackle, Bernard Ryman, the uh, the rookie of a year ago, is going to be your guy right there. So we don't think if one of the best available tackles are out there, we would take them? I would be, I would be shocked if they did that, considering what they have what they believe that they have in Ryman right now. I'd be shocked. Okay, buddy. I appreciate the time. Hey, Mike, thank you for the call. Be shocked. So is that pretty good right there? You go quarterback, wide receiver, corner. Is that how it's going to go? And you go wide receiver because the corner has more depth in this draft? That's my guess as to what they end up doing. And again, it's all just a completely – at times educated and not so uneducated guests. I, I did find it interesting of what Rick Venturi said about Dewan Jones out of Ohio State and Ben Davis. Now, you're right about that. He is absolutely huge. I mean huge. Yeah, we'll see where that ends up going. I just don't think that they're going to go. Again, Bernard Ryman from all I know, is going to be the guy. That's who they believe in, and I believe that is where they are going to end up going. Staying, I should say. Not going, but staying. Uh, John's up next at 239-1070. Hello, John. Hi, John. This is John. Hello, John. um, Great to hear from you. Uh, thanks. You too. Um, I uh, great show. Uh, I missed the Venturi uh, portion of the show, uh, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I bet you guys talked about this, so forgive me uh, if you did. My question is: um, I'm not exactly sure how Richardson did on the S two. Hadn't really heard much about that. I've heard about Levis and and uh, of course about Stroud recently. And I'm wondering if that's going to drop Stroud all the way out of the top four. Um, you know, with those kind of with that kind of score, I'm wondering if he's uh, going to uh, bump both uh, Levis and, and Richardson up uh, to uh, two and three. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. And so, what do we do then? Anyway, I'll ch- I'll hang yeah, up and listen. Yeah, thank up. you. Thanks. Here's here's what I think they're going to do, and I'm not putting. They do, I'm sure. I don't. Um, I put weight on what I actually see on the field, and I let them figure out. Uh, from the S2 to what they believe is a leader or a non-leader or coachable or non-coachable. And I've said this all along. I go for the way a guy played and especially the way a guy played against the two-time 
national champions. That's that's what I go on. I go on on the on the field. If you remember, Chris Ballard said that that's primarily what they by design go with as well. But you know, there's all this other stuff that's going on. They get these one on ones where you're going to find certainly a lot more out of these guys. Uh, as far as Stroud is concerned, it appears everything hinges on if Houston's for real with it. If Houston's for real and passing on a quarterback, it does seem like the Stroud has the availability at four. But that's where you're going to find out exactly what the Colts like because it has, to me, for the Colts all along, been about Levis. I, I do question the entire package that Stroud brings as to what the Colts seem to be looking for. But for me, that would be an easy choice. I just don't consider the S2 or any of this other stuff a great deal. They do. I got three hours to talk every day, so mine is going to be more about what we actually see and how we see that possibly coming to fruition at the next level. Uh, So we'll see. Thanks for the call. 239-1070. Aaron's next. Hello, Aaron. Hey, John, how you doing? Great, Aaron. What's up? You know, some of the things, just how the fan base here is more of a high school and college type of fan base. Professional, I hope Ballard, for once, don't go on the feelings and emotions of the fans and pick the next Mitch to Levis. I really believe Boy, what do you want him to do, Aaron? What, what do you want them to do? I want them to uh, understand that the AFC is full of top-tier quarterbacks. Correct. You're going to have to match them in the next few years. If Richardson has the highest upside in a few years, and you're saying you've got uh, the other quarterback here to start, why not go and get the one with the highest upside if Stroud is not available? Oh, so you're going I, if, I Stroud, if Stroud's and, not and available. My question, and my question to you is, if the Colts uh, do not pick Levitz, how far do you think he'll drop? And why is there only Indianapolis is interesting in Levitz um, if he does drop? Yeah, I, listen, I, I think it's mostly Indianapolis because they pick before any of these other quarterback needy teams do. So that just hasn't that think, just hasn't been the topic of discussion, you know, uh, with other teams, for example, that could use quarterbacks, you know, like the Raiders, what the Buccaneers that again, seemingly could use quarterbacks because they're not drafting as high at number four as the Colts, and the Colts have control of that. The Colts have been the primary subject to everybody, both here locally and nationally. And does you, one last thing? Mm-hmm. Does you every, we always talk about what they are on the field. They have to uh, have a lot of. Uh, things going on off the field like corporate sponsorship and uh, these hit janitors and what the wife is going. Do you have, think they have anything to do with the potential uh, quarterback as far as the pick is concerned? Nah, I think that they, they go, and thank you, Aaron, for the call, with what and with whom they believe in. They don't give a crap what I think, and that's probably a good thing. They don't give a crap about what you think. That's probably a good thing. So I could be incredibly off. Hey, listen, I hear the arguments out of all of these guys. 
And when I bring up Stroud, I always, well, you know, it's one game. Oh, look at the talent around him. I understand that. You know, Levis is brought up. Same thing happens. Well, look what he did a year ago. But look what he did two years prior, too. He was playing at Kentucky. He wasn't playing at Ohio State. And then we always hear about Hendon Hooker getting the kind of short straw here because of that injury, trying to come back from that. Hey, believe me, there's no doubt that Anthony Richardson has all of that talent. But the biggest doubt that they have right now, Aaron, is whether or not he is going to be capable at playing quarterback at the NFL level, given the sample size of 13 games at Florida. I mean, you watch him. You watch him, and it is incredible, his athleticism. But do you go that direction over guys that are more ready to go? Quick break, and we'll come back. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. We've got George Thurgood tickets and uh, Grand Prix tickets, too. We're going to give them to the same caller? Same caller, Grand Prix and George Thurgood. Thurgood is at the Miral National Center coming up later on this summer. Grand Prix, of course, at the beginning of May. Other side will give you a chance to win. Busy day today. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Now you listen here. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Now go away. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, number nine is going to go see Thurgood and the Destroyers at the Mirault National Center. And go to the Grand Prix as well. Number nine to 239-1070 right now is going to go on us. Two incredibly great times right there, 239-1070. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, you guys have been spectacular today. Can we do this again tomorrow? I mean, spectacular. If you missed any of the day, Jake Query, the morning show, Kevin and Query, Ross Tucker with those guys tomorrow morning, Rick Venturi for an hour in the 4 o'clock hour. Nobody goes more in-depth on everything concerning the Colts and their needs than Rick. That is an absolute. And Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network. Podcast 1075thefan.com. Absolutely incredible. Mm. What a day. You guys needed that, too. You guys needed more than me talking about number four overall. You guys needed all that. Consider yourself 2023 NFL Draft savvy. Dave's up next to 239-1070. Hello, Dave. Hey, John. How you doing, man? Dave, go ahead. Hey, real quick. Um, I know everybody's talking about how how state quarterbacks in the past mm-hmm. have produced. All right, I've been a fan since the 70s, since, you know, Cornelius Green and all that. Yep. There's only two quarterbacks I felt that were NFL ready, Fields and Stroud. And Fields is now getting his feet under him, so. Well, I'm all for Stroud. I'm all for Stroud I, I'm, in I'm a minute. There. I, I, think he's, I think he's ready. Right there with you. Dave, anything else? Yeah, that's about it. I just, you know, everybody said 
Ohio State quarterback. I've been following him for my life. So. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. Shout out to Eastside Kenny with a shout out to me inside the lounge. Ed, jump on here before we got to vacate. What's up, buddy? Hey, Jim, this is Ed from Cicero. Hello, Ed. Block away from Sullivan's Hardware. Shout out to Pat Sullivan, Sullivan Hardware and Garden, who, by the way, got a JMV takeover request for him on Saturday night. That was pretty special, I think. Fantastic. Hey, yeah. can I bust your chops for a little bit? My own. I know you're, I know you're soft-hearted, but, dude, Paradise for the Dashboard Lights, you like baseball, right? Yeah, you know the song? it's the worst, longest, oh, awful no, song. Other ones. Okay, all right, all right. Let me go back. All right, all right. Princess Bride. Have you ever? I don't no, know, you've never seen it. Never but seen it. Do you like? Remember the old shows, McLeod and Yes, uh, uh, and Wife and Columbo. Oh yeah. Well, Columbo is Peter Falk. Peter Falk is in that movie with Fred Savage, right? And uh, Carrie Ellis and yes. Mandy Patinkin. I've never seen Gremlins either. Well, I have. Well, okay. that's got Phoebe Cates in it, and I like to see her naked. Andre, well, no, who wouldn't? Andre the Giants in it. Okay. Yes. You watch it. I mean, oh, this, I can't do it. I can't. Dude. I, I'm, it I apologize. 87. It came in 87. What I know. I know. There's a hole in my game, Ed. Thank you for the call. There's a hole in my game on that. I've not seen in its entirety at once Back to the Future. I've never seen Gremlins. I think Lady saw Gremlins for the first time last night. I hate Paradise by the Dashboard Light is literally the worst song of all time. Sky Point to Meatloaf, but holy crap, is that terrible. James, thank you very much. Congratulations to Nate, our winner. Daniel Jeremiah, Rick Venturi, Jake Query, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Don't miss a minute. Back with you tomorrow at 3.